It is a good day today. Amen. It is a good day. Let me tell you why it is a good day today. Because, my friends, I have here my third cup of coffee this morning. And this is no ordinary cup of coffee, friends. This is my favorite cup full of a pour-over coffee this morning. This cup was given to me by Jim Dearman. See, this is a fire Bible cup. And when there is something nice and hot inside the cup, the little flame lights up. I know. So if you were thinking, what missionary should I support? Could I humbly suggest Jim and Nancy Dearman this morning to you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <sighs> the reason this cup is my favorite is not because of the very cool flame. I mean, very cool. The reason why this is my favorite cup this morning is because of the handle. And I just say that all cups should be able to fit all four fingers. <laughs> Hallelujah. At home, my wife collects Fiesta wear. It's all very pretty. I don't know if she still does, but she did, and so there's a bunch of cups that are all pretty. But apparently, uh, Fiesta wear cups are made for, like, one-fingered men. <laughs> you get this little ring on the side of the cup, and I think that made for those with a pinky, because like for me, I have to like cover my finger in butter just to get my finger inside it. And anytime I'm drinking from it, I feel like I have to stick my pinky in the air. And I don't want to stick my pinky in the air while I'm drinking a cup of coffee. I want to, when I'm drinking a cup of coffee, I want to know that I am drinking a cup of coffee. Can I get an amen? Ah. <sighs> So it's a good morning because I get a third cup of coffee. Normally I cut myself off after two, but today I get three because it's a sermon illustration. <laughs> ah. The reason why it's a sermon illustration is we're kicking off a series called The Cup today. And the cup, as you look in scripture, you find the cup all through scripture, an idea of a cup. I think there's something really visceral about the picture of a cup because you have whatever's been put in the cup and then from that, then you consume it. In Psalm 16, verse 5, which was the psalm that we read from a couple weeks back, uh, there's a passage there. Verse 5 says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, you hold my lot. So in scripture, what we see with the idea of the cup is that it is our portion, it is our lot, it is what the Lord has given to us. And so again, it's a visceral kind of picture of that. He pours it in and then we partake of it. And I think that that's such a beautiful picture, beautiful picture, a beautiful way to talk about what the Lord has given to us. And so in the Old Testament, when you talk about the cup, most often, when you, when you see the cup and the picture of the cup in Scripture, it is actually a cup of, of judgment. It is often a cup of wrath. Um, and so he talks about the fact that his cup is full of wrath. 
for us. But then in the New Testament, Jesus took that cup and he drank it for us. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, it says, Now our cup is not full of judgment, but our cup is a cup of blessing. And this morning, I had two cups, like I said, that were both espressos. And then this one, double espressos, I just need to be transparent. This one was a pour-over. Um, that I made here at the church just so that, again, the flame would be nice and lit up because it would be nice and warm for us. I have friends who ask me, hey, I'm thinking about buying an espresso machine. And I tell them every time I'm asked, don't do it. The reason why you don't want to buy an espresso machine is that it is incredibly finicky. Espresso machines, because of the nature of how it makes coffee, There are so many variables, and if one of those small variables get off, then the cup of coffee and the flavor in it changes. I know you guys are all hugely interested in this, but the slightest change makes the world of difference. So the grind needs to be perfect size. You need to have the right quantity of coffee. It needs to be tamped to perfection, so compressed to the right amount, and then it needs to be at the right temperature of water, and the pressure of the water going through the coffee needs to be exact. And if you do all of that to the right amount and quantity of coffee and to the right length of time for the extraction, then you will have an excellent cup of coffee. If, however, the slightest change happens, and when I say the slightest change, this morning my first espresso extraction was not exact because there's been a temperature change, there's been a pressure change like in the atmosphere, and because of those things, the first extraction went a little long and ended up being just a tad bitter. And so I made a few adjustments, and the second one was perfection. And sometimes as we drink a cup of coffee, it is just a bit bitter. And sometimes it is perfection. But regardless, it is a blessing of the Lord. Can I get an amen? (laughs) How many of you, as you stop and you think about the cup that the Lord has given to you, as you look at it, you think about your life, your lot, your portion, you could say with transparency and honesty today, the Lord has blessed me. Yeah, I thought so. That's what it's like for me. And for some of us, again, it's maybe a little bit more bitter, but still, 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 the Lord is good. He is good all the time, all the time. And so I was thinking about this this week and reflecting upon it because we're almost at the end of the year here. And it has been, (laughs) this year, for whatever reason, has flown by for me. I don't know what it was about this year. Thanksgiving snuck up on me. How many of you already have your Christmas trees up? You guys are all excommunicated, okay? Okay. Thanksgiving totally snuck up on me. I don't know if you know this, but this year is actually, it's the earliest that Thanksgiving can be because the first 
day of November was a Thursday. It makes uh, a five-Thursday month. And so literally the earliest possible day that Thanksgiving can be this year, it is. And yet, like, it just it came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, wow, it's, it's Thanksgiving already. And at the beginning of this year, we kicked everything off with, a, with something called the Freedom Project, which was almost three months of focusing in and talking about the blessings that the Lord has given us and how we then steward those blessings. And so here we are at the end of the year now, and I just wanted to quickly with this series, because this series is only going to be two weeks, and it straddles Thanksgiving, I wanted to just ask you, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Some of you are doing great. I, I am doing, we, 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 transparently, we are, we're doing really well with a portion of it, and, and like, stewarding the financial things, we feel like we're doing a really good job with that. When we talk about stewarding the time portion of it, maybe not quite as well. And so I think there's some things that we need to shift there and change there um, as we're talking about or I'm talking about just me. But I wanted to do that checkup. Before we do that, though, it is the week of Thanksgiving. And so next week we'll talk a little bit more about that. This week what I want to talk about is how to make sure that we are adequately thanking God for the cup. Adequately thanking him for the blessings. Because this is a big deal. This year, maybe more than any other year, I've been impressed with the fact that gratitude is one of the things that is probably most important about us. How grateful are we? And I think it it speaks to the very heart of the character of a person. How grateful are we? And so I really want to make sure that as we talk about Thanksgiving this week that we are properly thanking God. In fact, I'll just say that my hope is that coming out of today that we would be the best thanksgivers in the history of the universe. Okay? That's what I want. And I want this week to be that and your life to be that. Okay? So that's our goal. I want to thank God for the cup, and I want to talk about what that might look like. So if you would, grab your Bibles this morning, and once you have them, open up to the psalm that is the best thanksgiving psalm in the history of the universe, Psalm 116. If you don't have a Bible today, there are some that are spread out throughout the seats. I would encourage you to grab one, Um, and, and if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is our gift to you. Uh, So go ahead and grab it, and then once you grab it, if you open it up to Psalm 116, if you have one of the church Bibles, it's on page 511, 511. Psalm 116 is a great psalm, excellent psalm. We don't know who wrote it. Um, We do know that it comes from a place of whoever wrote it uh, had just been delivered from some sort of a dark situation, and after they had been delivered from a dark situation, Uh, uh, they want to give thanks back to God, okay? So that's what Psalm 116 is. We don't know who wrote it, but we do know, really interesting, uh, that the last hymn that Jesus sang with his disciples before heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, this is probably what that song was. Not entirely sure, but there's a good chance. Psalm 116, this is the psalm that he sang along with his disciples. Most, it's likely, Okay, so we can't read the whole thing because it's really long, so we're only going to read starting in verse 12. Psalm 116, verse 12, and we'll read down through verse 14, okay? Psalm 116, verse 12 through uh, through 14. Here's what it says. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? 
I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. That's good stuff. It starts with a question. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Great question. Also a terrible question. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Essentially what this is asking is, how do I pay God back for what he has done for me? It's a terrible question, but it's also a really great question because the scriptures actually give us the answer to it. In Acts chapter 17, verse 24, a long ways away, Paul there is talking and says, here's what he says, how we might pay God back for what he has done for us. Verse 24 of Acts chapter 17 says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. I love that. Because what that says is, number one, okay, God doesn't need anything from us. And number two, even if he did... He's the one who gives us all that we've got. So if we were to try to repay him, we would just be giving back a portion of what he has given to us. If that's our approach, if that's what we're trying, and he says, and listen, if you're trying to repay him, remember what he gave us. He gave us life, he gave us breath, and he gave us everything. So how possibly might we repay him? Psalm 50 even says it a little bit more intensely. Psalm 50, verse 9 down through Uh, verse 15. We'll go down to verse 15. Here's what it says. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Okay, you can't repay me. It all belongs to me. And more than that, I don't need a single thing that you might offer, is what this scripture says. Here's why this is important. Because as we think about and look towards thanksgiving, there is a natural tendency that we have. And it's such a small, subtle thing, but this small, subtle thing can fundamentally change the way we interact with God. What I mean by that is this. If Because we know, I think, that on the front end, we cannot earn salvation, right? Can you agree with me on that? Like, we can't do enough to earn salvation. It's a gift, free gift. And so on the front end, we're like, okay, I can't do that. I just need to receive it. Jesus Christ gave it. He paid the price for it. So it's his gift to me. So on the front end, we understand that. 
But then there's something about the back end of it. Where, where if the switch just goes a little too far and it's a subtle change, we might still try to, after the fact, pay him back for what he has done. Right? Like, that's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we do what we do. It's called the debtor ethic. As if, because of what God has done for me, I owe him. And so then my life becomes a process by which I attempt to repay him. Okay? And that will corrupt. It's subtle, but it will corrupt the very nature of which we, we interact with him, but more how And if he gave us salvation as a free gift, and then we try to repay him for it, it's no longer a gift, is it? It's a mortgage. And salvation is not a mortgage. That's not the way he wants us to interact with him. And if we do, here's what happens. Because every time I write out my check for my mortgage, I have never written out that check and thought, what a great bank. (laughs) You know, I just love my bank. I am so thankful for my bank. No, because it's a business transaction. Makes it transactional, right? So then he did this for me, and me trying to pay it back, it removes all joy. It removes all celebration. It becomes an act by which I can earn that which he has already given me. And that is fundamentally wrong. And if we approach it that way, why would we be grateful? It's a business transaction. And the second reason why this is so corrupting is because of the fact that in our own mind, if we think that the gift of salvation is something we need to repay, what happens in our mind is it diminishes the sheer cost of the gift. If I think I can pay God back for giving his own son for me, what do I have? of equal value for that. It can't be done. And so if we get this picture in our head, then the the tithes we give, the offerings we bring, our service to God, our worship, our praise, it gets corrupted because we're approaching it like we're giving something back to him when in reality he doesn't need what we have to give. And so there's no joy There's no celebration. There's no gratefulness. So instead, receive it as a gift. And this is the big thing. As you're approaching Thanksgiving, don't try to repay God. Don't try to repay him. The moment we do, we are less grateful. We diminish the sacrifice. We approach it from the wrong way entirely. And in this verse, even, I want to highlight a couple of phrases that we see here. Because this is super important for us to see. There's going to be a couple of phrases that are going to show up a bunch of times today. And these are important for us to notice. Verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows. And call upon me in the day of trouble. Okay? So these are phrases we're going to see show up multiple times today. Go back to Psalm 116, verse 12. It says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? What am I going to pay God back with? 
How am I going to pay him back? And then it says, I will lift up the cup of salvation, call on the name of the Lord. Verse 14, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Now at this point, you should be thinking, oh, Alan, you're sneaky. I can read the fine print. It says right there, I will pay my vows to the Lord. It says, how am I going to repay him? <laughs> I'm going to pay my vows to him. You're trying to get one past me. I see what the scriptures say. I can read the fine print. Skip down to verse 17. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. He's saying, I'm going to pay that's how I'm going to repay the Lord. I'm going to bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So, so, Alan, you can't sneak that by me. I'm supposed to pay my vows. I'm supposed to sacrifice thanks and, and bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I, I caught on to you. There's a fine print there. We're supposed to pay him back. Do you know what those sacrifices are? The sacrifice of thanksgiving and the sacrifice of vows? They're very specific sacrifices. In fact, what I want to do today is I want to go and I want to read those sacrifices. And it's a little long, and it can be a little bit of a mouthful, so you're going to have to bear with me. The first one's found in, in uh, Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11. This is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord, if he offers it for a thanksgiving. So this is the thanksgiving offering. Then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. So it's lots of oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of, un of leavened bread. And from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice. And on the next day, what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he who offers it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear his iniquity. Okay. There are four things I see in this passage that I want to point out. Number one, leftovers. The day after Thanksgiving, it is biblical to eat the leftover turkey or ham as a sandwich. To the Lord, it says very clearly that if you are bringing a Thanksgiving offering to the Lord, that the next day you can eat leftovers, okay? So on Friday, when you are eating your leftover turkey or ham in a sandwich form, praise the Lord. Number two. Beyond that, leftovers are tainted. And I know this is a source of struggle in some homes. But can I say to every lady in here, beyond that, leftovers are tainted, sinful, 
and make us bear iniquity. Can I get an amen? Bear iniquity. Trying to give me leftovers. All right, third thing. Who's eating this Thanksgiving sacrifice? The person who brings it. Isn't that interesting? You know what the priest gets? One loaf of bread. (laughs) I love that. You get a loaf of bread. I get to eat the lamb. So we gather together, and I bring a sacrifice to God, and I get to eat it. Isn't that cool? What a God we serve. And how could you possibly eat all of the lamb in one day? You cannot do it unless you invite others. This is just like Passover, where the whole point is gather some people together and let's have a Thanksgiving meal. That's what this is talking about. So this is a party This is a gathering. This is a celebration. And and the fourth thing I want to point out here, which is also important, is how awesome Leviticus is, which can make a party seem rigid. It's the only book in the Bible can do that. I love that. All right, so let's jump over to Deuteronomy, and I want to look at the vow offering. Same thing, same idea. Deuteronomy chapter 12. This is how we're supposed to eat a vow offering. Verse 17, here's what it says. You may not eat within your towns the tithe of your grain or your wine or your oil or the firstborn of your herd or your flock or any of the vow offerings that you vow. So this is the vow offerings. Or your freewill offerings, the contribution that you present. But you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place that the Lord your God will choose. You and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite who is within your towns. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you undertake. How cool is our God that when he says, okay, bring an, a Thanksgiving offering. Bring a vow offering. What it comes down to is we gather some people together and before the Lord we celebrate what he has done. And we have a meal. You want to be the best thanksgiver in the history of the universe. Enjoy his blessings. Enjoy his blessings. Back to Psalm 116 verse 12. Here's what it says. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? How am I going to pay him back? How am I going to pay him back? Well, here's how you pay him back. You lift up the cup of salvation. Now, that can mean a couple things. And there's different people who say it means different things. Both of them are awesome, by the way. Number one, it could mean... That the cup is on the table, and you lift up the cup of salvation. That you participate, participate, you partake, you enjoy. The other possibility, I think more awesome, is that it says when you're lifting up the cup, that you have drained it full down, and you're lifting it up and say, please, sir, may I have some more? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, either way, this is cool. Because what is he saying? You want to give God back for what he has given to you? 
enjoy his blessing of salvation. Drink it full down and say, Lord, may I have some more. What a great God that we serve. How do you thank him? How do you pay him back? You can't. Just enjoy what he has given to you. Enjoy his blessings today. Enjoy his blessings this week. And as you gather together with others, enjoy what he has given to you. And you will be on the path to being the best thanksgiver in the history of the universe. Psalm 116 verse 14 or 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Now, what exactly this means, I think, to figure it out, you kind of got to go back and look at that other verse we read, which has a lot of the same phrases that we've been talking about in Psalm 50. So go back to Psalm 50, and I think it's verse 14 is where we're going to be. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. We've got that same thing. Remember, he says, I'm not hungry, and if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Here's what you should do. You can't repay me. I'm not going to eat it. You eat it. You enjoy it. Offer up a thanksgiving offering, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows. What is, what is it talking about? Same thing there. And, and the vow offering seems to be that like when we're on the front end of it, as things are tough and we're like, oh God, deliver me and I will, I will bring a vow offering. What you're saying is essentially, hey, I'll have a big party right afterwards after you deliver me. But he says, all right, so um, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform liver vows to the most high and what? Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. So wait, what Psalm 116 verse 13 must be saying then is, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Well, I can't do that, but I will enjoy the cup of salvation. And you know what else? The next time I'm in trouble, I will call on him again. You want to be a good thanksgiver? Learn to rely on him even more. Oh, that's good. Learn to rely on him even more. You want to give glory to him? Understand and recognize that he is the source, that he's the one, and no one else can do what he can do. How great is that? You want to be a great thanksgiver? Okay, enjoy his blessings. Learn to rely on him even more. Last Friday, uh, Liz and I were going on on a date, and, uh, yeah, I know, and uh, so we left the kids with somebody, we're not entirely sure who, and uh, <laughs> headed down to the south side. I'm not a big south sider. If you're a south sider, I'm sorry. Man, that is a bummer, going down to the south side on a Friday night. Holy goodness. <laughs> I'm a north sider. Okay, anyways. And uh, so we're driving down, and we decide to take the minivan. And uh, uh, transparency, earlier in the day, I had gone to pick up the kids and had taken the minivan for that, because it has these cool sliding doors. You don't even have to really, anyways. And so while I was leaving the school and <laughs> driving back home, a light came on on the dash. It said low on gas. I thought, Pff. 
when that light comes on in the truck, I know about how much I have. In the minivan, I know, it's probably about the same. So I drove home, and, and we dropped the kids off, and we headed back in. And so I'm driving down 65, going to Southside, about 5.30 on a Friday night. And coming up on Battlefield, and had this little voice in my head, right as I'm coming up on Battlefield. So you, you really should pull off and go to a gas station, the one that's right around the corner. I thought, nah. <laughs> it's not that far to where we're going, and there's a gas station right next to it. Let's, we can make it. So I hit the button on the dash, because you can see exactly what your range is. And it said zero miles. It's relative. <laughs> Kept driving. 200 yards past battlefield. Sputter, sputter, stop. So I pull over to the side of the road and look over at my watch. <laughs> Think we ran out of gas, honey. <laughs> it's your minivan. I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, so I uh, got over as far as I could, and I am the pastor of Praise Assembly. I don't know if you know that. And, uh, as the pastor of Praise Assembly, I, I think I'm entitled to an armor bearer or two. And <laughs> if you have no idea what that means, that's a good thing. You missed the 90s. It's Christianese in the 90s. You don't even need to know it. But anyways, so I'm entitled to be King David is what I'm saying. And let the mighty men break through the lines and bring me a cup of water that then I pour out on the ground kind of thing, you know. So I'm sitting there on the side of the road and I call up Pastor Caleb and <laughs> said, have I ever told you I feel like you're my armor bearer? <laughs> and uh, and uh, he goes, you've mentioned it. And... Uh, so I said, so I'm on the side of the road, and there's a slight chance I'm out of gas. <laughs> he goes, again? I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's me. I said, any chance you could bring me a gallon of gas? And he goes, yeah, I think so, because he was close. He lives close in that area. And so we're sitting there, five minutes goes by, and sitting on the side of the road. and One of those uh, roadside response vehicles. Pulls up behind me, you know those? The big truck kind of thing and lights flashing, really cool. Because, I mean, at, at this point, I was not looking forward to pouring gas. And, I mean, I had gotten off as far as I could. But when they're 5.30 on a Friday night, like, those cars are going by fast. And, like, every time they drove by, I could feel the van move a little bit. You know, that kind of thing. You're like, uh, this is going to be fun. So this roadside response vehicle pulls up behind me. And, and uh, he goes, can I help you with something? And I said, no. I said, not unless you've got some gas on you. He goes, you know, actually, I do. And I said, all I've got is a credit card. I don't have, I don't have cash. And he goes, well, I couldn't take it if you did. This is, this is what I do. And apparently, they drive this thing during high traffic times just like that. And they do a full cycle of the city. And they go all the way around 44, 65, 60, and then back to 44. And they just do around circles and watch for people who run out of gas. And <laughs> legitimately, and... And I, I, I thought, you know what that is right there? That's worth paying taxes for. <laughs> so he put a gallon of gas in, and 
I got on my way and I called up Pastor Caleb and I said, Pastor Caleb, man, I don't, I don't actually, I don't need that gas anymore. And I said, thank you so much. And Liz looks over at me and he goes, you know, Alan, if, if we would have had enough faith, we wouldn't have even had to bother Pastor Caleb. And I said, don't you... So we continued on our way and got gas. And Thursday, I'm studying early in the morning. And before we had gone that Friday, a week ago, a week and a half ago, there were other lights on the dash in the minivan. One of them said low tires. How cool is it that our vehicle will tell us when our tires are low. It had just gotten cold and so all the pressures had gone down and so before we headed out I had turned on the compressor in our garage and uh, it has a little switch on it. It stays plugged in. Flip the switch on and and it aired up the compressor and then I aired up all the tires and I'm like man I'm ready to go on this date. It's great. And, and uh, so I'd aired up all the tires and never flipped that switch off on the compressor. And the thing about this compressor is that when the air pressure in it gets low enough, if the power is on, it turns on. And this compressor is on up against the wall in our garage. On the other side of that wall is our bedroom. And that is just not any ordinary wall. It's the wall that our bed is up against, the headboard. And so literally two and a half feet away from this compressor when we are sleeping at night is my wife's head. And when that compressor fires on, it's loud and shakes the entire wall. Okay. So Monday night about 2 a.m., having left the compressor on, middle of the night, Liz had not been sleeping well because she was sick. She finally had gotten asleep and... Monday night, about 2 a.m., the compressor fires on. And I'm like, I am the worst. <laughs> and it stays on for 15 seconds. And I know my wife is probably not sleeping very well right now. But I never got out of bed and turned the compressor off. <laughs> so Thursday morning, this last Thursday... It's early in the morning, and I'm up studying and I'm spending some time worshiping and praying, and this little voice in my head says, you know, you never really turned that compressor off, did you? If it fired on again, that would be a super bummer, wouldn't it? I thought, you know... I probably should go turn that compressor off. So I got up and I headed out to the garage and I walked down the stairs and walked over to the compressor and reached out with my finger. And while my finger is less than an inch away from the button, <laughs> and it was off. And I sat there for a moment and said, did that just happen? How cool is my God that he cares enough about my wife's sleep 
that he would tell me in the middle of the night, go turn that compressor off. And it was the same voice that told me while I was pulling up on Battlefield, you really should get some gas. <laughs> and I didn't listen. But what a great God we serve. Full of blessings. Worthy of all of our praise. And he deserves it all. Because even after I failed that first time, he had a way to bail me out. And the second time I listened and it demonstrated his goodness to me. You want to give praise to God. You want to give thanks to God. Learn to rely on him even more. And you will see that praise turned to him. I tell these stories for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I am a fool. And yet God is so good. And number two... Because at the end of this Psalm 116, it says, praise the Lord. You know what the Hebrew is for that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Talk about him. Tell of his goodness. Sing to him and praise him. You want to be the best thanksgiver in the history of the universe? Let's praise him. Would you stand with me today? That's how I want to end. And I want to praise him. And I don't know what your cup looks like today. I don't know if your cup today is a little bitter. I don't know what it's like. I do know this. He is worthy of our praise. Because he is good. He is good. And he wants more for us than he wants from us. He's a giving God. And today, we cannot repay him. And the moment we try, all we do is fail. But we can thank him. We can praise him. We can give glory to his name. And for all the blessings that he has poured out in our lives, whatever your cup might look like today, let's praise him. For it. And this is a great song to do it. 10,000 reasons. Great way to praise the Lord today. Let's praise Him.